Pastor Xavier Reese and the nation of Israel. It goes back to Genesis 12, 3, doesn't it? Those that bless you, Abraham, I will bless them. Those that curse you, I will curse them. That's still valid today. Check the nations of the world who have gone against Israel, who have mistreated the Jews. They used to be world empires. They are not today. I can assure you that Israel will be here when Jesus gets back. Have you, when's the last time you heard of an Edomite? You say, I'm in the long line of Esau. Anybody ever claimed that to you? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's hard to ignore the struggles going on in the Middle East, but contrary to popular opinion, peace is not the answer. Today, as he continues his study in the book of Ezekiel, Pastor Xavier explores the present and prophetic importance of the little nation that is the focus of international attention. Here he is with today's important lesson, The Land Belongs to Israel. Ezekiel chapter 35, all the way to chapter 36, verse 15. The prophet Ezekiel has already given the judgment of the Gentile nations, as you know, in chapter 25 to 32. He has even already mentioned Edom's judgment in chapter 25, 12 to 14. Some have seen this chapter out of place, but if you look closely, you'll see that Edom is mentioned in contrast to Israel in order to reverse the curse that he announced on the mountains of Israel in chapter 6, if you recall. He does that by removing the oppression of Esau, the Edomites, their historic enemies. This is in the right location. This is restoration that he's talking about, beginning chapter 33. It's in restoration by justifying, vindicating Israel before their enemies, as we'll see. Now, Ezekiel the prophet assures Israel regarding her future restoration to the land that God gave to them. First of all, we have the destruction of the land of Edom in chapter 35, verse 1 through 15. And secondly, we have the restoration of the land of Israel to Israel. Verses 1 through 15 of 36. And then we're going to finish off with the confirmation of the restoration of the land to Israel. And we're going to look at um, uh, chapter 30, 39, kind of an overview there and tie it together. Okay? Let's begin here with the destruction of the land of Edom. Verse 1 through 15 of chapter 35. Notice verse 1 through 4, the judgment against Mount Seir is given to us. The revelation to the prophet is once again judgment in view of what? Restoration of Israel. That's the context. The prophet addresses again the same title to the Son of Man. One like you, one like me, one who's trusted God, one who's repentant, one who's frail, one who's sinful. But by the grace of God, God has made him right. The orders are to declare judgment. Set your face against Mount Seir and prophesy against it. The phrase has been translated and used throughout the book for judgment. It's already indicated to Pharaoh, to Tyre, and whenever God says, I am against you, you're in trouble. Mount Seir was the geographical location of the descendants of Esau, as you know. Uh, Modern-day Jordan, the city of Petra was its capital of the Edomites. But they boasted in this. Huge cliffs, snake in there. It was fortified because no one could enter in. You'd kill them. You'd be able to get the enemy in there. Now Esau was the brother of Jacob, as you know, the twin. God said 
to Rebecca, there's two nations in your womb, Genesis 25, 23. Two nations, Israel, Edom. Notice verse 3, the judgment to come would be at the very hand of God. And the prophet was to be the mouthpiece of God by divine authority, as it says, thus saith the Lord. Once again, authority. The tone is one of severity. Don't miss it. Behold, O Mount I am against you. I will stretch out my hand against you and make you most desolate. Awesome words. As Amos tells them, prepare to meet your God. It wasn't to shake hands. Mount Seir represents the whole nation of Edom here, as the mountains of Israel represent the whole nation personified. Look at verse 4. The judgment would be complete. Her cities, I shall lay your cities waste. She would be nothing, and you shall be desolate. And the word desolate describes the effects of God's judgment. We've seen it before, chapter 6, verse 14, 7, 27, 29, 9, many, many times. The word is used Seven times towards Edom about making her desolate. Verse 3, 7, 9, 12, 14. When God says you're going to be desolate one time, you can count on it. When he says it seven times, this is emphatic and this is severe judgment coming. Look at 4. She would acknowledge Yahweh. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. This formula is repeated three times at the end of each section. But the knowledge of God at this point is for judgment. Right now, everybody has a choice to receive God by faith through grace, willfully. This is talking about judgment coming in the latter times as we're going to see the end of the tribulation. This fulfillment came first after Ezekiel, and we're going to see that. But the ultimate context that we're going to see is future still, and people don't mark that when they study chapter 35 and 36. Now, notice verse 5 through 9. The reason for the judgment against the people of Mount Seir and their consequences is given to us here. In verse 5, the reason given are two. First, due to their attitude. Look at verse 5 there. They had a perpetual hatred for Israel because you have had an ancient hatred. And the word hatred there speaks of an intense feeling of hatred that existed between Edom and Israel. It's the very same word that is used for the hatred of the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent in Genesis 3.15. No surprise. It's the Messiah. It's hatred against the Messiah's line. You understand? Anti-Semitism. And we're going to look into that. It should never be in any Christian. You make sure you're on God's side. Listen to Genesis 27, 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing of which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. And then I will kill my brother. That was the relationship between Esau and Jacob, as you know. In Numbers 20, 20, you know, as they were going through the land out of Egypt, the Exodus, they asked permission of, of the Edomites to pass through, and they would not. They said, you will not pass through our land. In fact, it says, so Edom came out against them with many men and with a strong hand. Numbers 20, 20. And they did not let them pass the land. But not only their attitude, but notice, due to their deeds, still there in verse 5, uh, they personally partnered with Babylon in killing off the Israelites at the fall of Jerusalem and have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the power of the sword at the time of the calamity when their iniquity came to an end. Edom stood at the other side looking to the Israelis like as they were one with the Israelis and as they came across, they stood at the crossroads, they cut them to pieces and they delivered them over to Babylon. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 11 and 14 tells us that. 
He's the prophet against Edom. One chapter. Edom gazed and gloated at their captivity and rejoiced over the destruction, speaking proudly, Obadiah 1.12 says. Edom entered the gates gloating as they saw the misery of the Israelites and they took their possession, Obadiah 1.13 tells us. Edom celebrated and drank about Israel's calamity, Obadiah 1.16 tells us. You want a picture of the same hatred? As our towers went down and the Arab world danced around rejoicing, burning our flag. No different. In 300 B.C., the Edomites were taken by the Nabataean Arabs. God meant what he said. In 165 B.C., Judas Maccabeans took Hebron, which then was their capital. And in 126 B.C., John Hyrcanus subdued the Edomites and forced them to become circumcised as the Jews. The last Edomite in Scripture is Herod. Look at verse 6 and 7. The consequences would be the principle of sowing and reaping. In verse 6, the penalty of judgment is the conclusion based on the fact by an oath. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, therefore is the concluding term, all that proceeds, and it's by an oath. The day of execution would be prepared by God. Don't miss it. I will prepare you for blood, and blood shall pursue you since you have not hated blood. Therefore, blood shall pursue you. There is a play on words. This is the way you've lived. This is the way you're going to die. Look to the history of the Arab nations, particularly Islam. Their philosophy is you convert or we kill you. It has never changed. It never will. It's the only religion that has world conquest in mind. The judgment will be executed by God himself being complete and total. Don't miss it. Verse 7. Thus I will make Mount Seir most desolate and cut off from it the one who leaves and the one who returns. And this came to be. Complete. Have you, when's the last time you heard of an Edomite? <laughs> you say, I'm in the long line of Esau. Anybody ever claim that to you? Hmm. Look at verse 8. The entire land would be judged. And I will fill its mountains with the slain. God would miss no area. Your hills, your valleys, all your ravines, those who are slain by the sword shall fall. It's him, but he uses man, the sword. Look at nine still. Nine. Their land will become uninhabited. I will make you perpetually desolate, and your city shall be uninhabited. Once again, God is the judge here. And notice again, they would acknowledge God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord Yahweh. But too late. This is not for repentance. He's going to say about three more times. The crime of the people of Mount Seir is given to us in verse 10 to 15. In 10, there are words regarding their coveting of the land of Israel, despite knowing Yahweh was present. It's dangerous to mess with God's property. You understand? You're not fighting man. You're, if you're going for the land of Israel, you're going to fight God. God quotes their very words in verse 10. Because you have said, these two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and I will possess them. <laughs> the two nations speak of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of Israel, Israel and Judah. They saw this land. Let's expand our boundaries. Ooh. What do you think your neighbor would do if you try to expand your boundaries? God did not take to their indifference to him. Although the Lord was there, you knew I was there. 
And you dared to do that. Oh. Look at verse 11. Their treacherous crime would be repaid. God decreed it by an oath. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord God. Don't miss it. God would treat them as they treated Israel. Listen up. I will do according to your anger and according to your envy, which you showed in your hatred against them. And then God would reveal himself to Israel at the time of their judgment. Don't miss this. This is key. It gives you context. And I will make myself known among them when I judge you. Among them? Who? The Jews. When I judge you. This is still future, ladies and gentlemen. The Jews do not believe in God today. Blindness in part has happened. They believe in the God of the Old Testament, but not their Messiah. Their blindness is in part. This is future judgment in the latter days. Make sure you understand this. Verse 12, their hearts would be revealed. They would acknowledge Yahweh. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. But once again, too late. This is judgment. They would realize Yahweh heard their vicious words against Israel. I have heard all your blasphemies, which you have spoken against the mountains of Israel. Blasphemies means contemptible things. Blasphemous things, things of insult, all that they say. Calling Israel the little Satan. We're the big Satan. Interesting, isn't it? They would be exposed for their greed, saying, they are desolate. They are given to us to consume. We're killing the Jews in God's name. We're against them, they say. Ooh, God's listening. You understand what's at stake here, people, today? Look at 13. Their arrogant words against God would have to be faced. They exalted themselves above God. Thus with your mouth you have boasted against, don't miss it, me, God. They defame God and multiply your words against me. They would be charged by God, and I have heard them. Whoa. Their judgment would be celebrated by all. Look at 14. Thus saith the Lord God, the whole earth will rejoice when I make you desolate. This is still future. This hasn't happened. It will. At the end of the tribulation, Israel will go into the millennial kingdom. God will fight for Israel. Look at 15, the summary statement of Edom's judgment. Their judgment would be in kind as you rejoice because of the inheritance of the house of Israel was desolate. So I will do to you. Eight times the phrase I will is found in this chapter. Three, six, seven, nine, 11, 14, 15. Do you think he will? <laughs> God can't lie. Their judgment would have them acknowledge Yahweh. Then you shall know that I'm the Lord once again. But what? For judgment. Before the Israelites won the land in 1967 war, Gaza was owned by Egypt. The West Bank was owned by Jordan. And there was no Palestinians. It's a modern invention. Rome gave that name to insult the Jews for the rebellion. And the ones who occupied Palestinia, which the Romans call, were the Jews. But there's never been Palestinians. Never. Obadiah claimed and proclaimed the judgment over Edom because they were treacherous. They were brothers, family. Let me give you some. Obadiah 1.6. It says, Oh, how Esau shall be searched out, how his hidden treasure shall be sought after. Obadiah only has one chapter. 
Verse 8. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men of Eden, Eden understanding from the mountains of Esau? 9. Then your mighty men, O Timon, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. 18. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be stubble. They shall kindle them and devour them, and no survivor shall remain in the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken it. 19. The south shall possess the mountains of Esau. The lowland shall possess Philistia. Philistia there is the Philistines. Don't confuse your words, okay? They shall possess the fields and Ephraim and the fields of Samaria. Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And then in 21, listen. Then survivors shall come to Mount Zion. That's Jerusalem. That's Israel. To judge the mountains of Esau. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. That's millennial kingdom, ladies and gentlemen. Edom's a type of the flesh, as I said in the scripture. Remember a guy named Doeg? He was an Edomite. And when David was running from Saul in 1 Samuel 22, 9 and 18, he told Saul that, that uh, David had gone to Nob, to the priest, to inquire. And he went down there and Saul wiped them out at the hand of Doeg. Flesh. His name is Dog. That's what Doeg means. And that's what the flesh is. It's dog, man. It's against God. Malachi 1, 2, I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I love and Esau I have hated. Why? Because he's a profane man. Romans 9, 13 is very clear about that. He didn't care about the things of God. Not that God just hated him. And laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Malachi 1.3. Go to Petra. Jackals. Nobody there. Hebrews 12.16 says, Lest there be any fornicator, profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of bread sold his birthright. He could care less about the things of God. Herod was the last Edomite. It's recorded in Matthew 2.13. Type of the flesh against everything of God. The judgment of Edom came to pass, evident by the present day insignificance of Petra and the Edomian kingdom and empire. It goes back to Genesis 12.3, doesn't it? Those that bless you, Abraham, I will bless them. Those that curse you, I will curse them. That's still valid today and alive. Check the nations of the world who have gone against Israel, who have mistreated the Jews. They used to be world empires. They are not today. I can assure you that Israel will be here when Jesus gets back. But I cannot guarantee you that the United States will be here. The city of Petra, which is also called Sila, boasted of her fortress walls. Scripture seems to indicate that God will protect Israel, the woman, during the great tribulation there. Once the abomination of desolation spoken by Jesus in Matthew 24 happens, the Antichrist declares himself God in the temple. Listen to Revelation 12, uh, uh, 14. It says, but the woman, the woman there is Israel, not the church, who uh, was given two wings of the great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is more nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the presence of the serpent. That's three and a half years of great tribulation. That's the context, ladies and gentlemen, when this stuff's going to happen. The destruction of the land of Edom did and will take place in the future. It will. And the way we're going, it could be any time. Now, let's move on to the restoration of the land of Israel. 
36, 1 through 15. The first seven verses, the prophecy over the mountains of Israel by God's intervention for their past ill treatment is given to us. In verse 1, the prophecy comes through Ezekiel once again. The title, Son of Man, uh, the commission of the prophet, still there. Prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord Yahweh. The mountains of Israel are personified here for the entire people and the land. Listen to me. The land and the people go together. Let me say it again. The land and the people go together. You cannot separate them. The revelation is the word of the Lord, not the false prophets here. Look at two. The purpose behind the prophecy is due to the delight of the enemy of Israel over possessing the land of Israel. The prophetic formula precedes it, identifying the authority, thus saith the Lord God, Yahweh. Seven times between verse 1 and 7, this is said. The reason is stated because the enemy has said of you, aha, the ancient heights have become our possession. The word aha, as you know, is a derogatory term of mockery. Aha, you got what you're going. This is for us now. It's been used before in 25, 3, and 26, 2. The references to the ancient heights, the land of Israel, and the declaration was it had come to be their own. They just took it. It's the same things going on today. At least they're trying. Interesting. Look at verse 3 through 7. The specifics of the prophecy regarding Israel are five. They all proceed with the word therefore, conclusion of what precedes. The first deals with Israel being dispersed and disrespected. Verse 3. The word therefore, again a concluding word of what precedes, occurs five times between verse 3 and 7. The prophecy again contains the prophetic formula. The authority of God. Prophesy and say, thus saith the Lord God. The personal guilt of the enemy is stated. Notice in verse 3. Because they made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side. They were brothers, family, treachery. The consequences was to be taken from their land so that you became a possession of the rest of the nations. Now God judged them. God put them in captivity. But Esau, the Edomites, they jumped on the bandwagon. Ooh, God doesn't like that. See, you can discipline your child, but if your next door neighbor comes over and kicks your kid in the rear end, you're going to get upset, right? Nobody messes with the discipline of your children, right? The humiliation was constant, and you are taken up by the lips of the talkers and the slanders by the people. It hasn't stopped to the present day, has it? Look at verse 4. The second deals with the entire land being devastated. The word, therefore, again, in view of the fact. The mountain of Israel, again, personifies the entire land. O mountains of Israel, the prophetic formula is repeated. Hear the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord God, to the mountains. The repetition, ladies and gentlemen, is for emphasis. And for severity, not to bore you. Mark it well. The prophet is made to itemize the various landscape of the land. Israel's to be restored. The hills, the rivers, the valleys, the desolate ways, the cities that have been forsaken, which became plunder and mockery to the rest of the nations all around. God itemizes. I'm going to do it all. The third deals with God's vindication against the nations, plural who presume to allocate the land themselves. Verse 5, don't miss this. Once again, in view of the facts, the word therefore, the authority follows, thus saith the Lord God. The posture of God is judgment. Listen, surely I have spoken in my burning jealousy. Listen, when you have burning jealousy, that means you love someone. 
God loves Israel. How about you? Whose side are you on? Man's or God's? I want to be on the right side. You understand? Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of today's posture of Israel. And there's much more to come from this study next time. Now, you can always pick up a copy of this message in its complete unedited form. And the title to ask for is The Land Belongs to Israel. It's available on CD for only $4. So once again, the title to ask for is The Land Belongs to Israel. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. No doubt, Israel plays an important role during the last days. But how much do we really need to understand its place in history? Find out more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com